A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Welcome to Cheaper Than Therapy, a podcast that journeys into conversations with the intention of demystifying, destigmatizing, and desensitizing what really gets talked about behind the closed doors of the therapy room. I'm Vanessa Bennett. And I'm Danae Selkin. And we're seekers, soul sisters, and holders of sacred space. So join us as we dive into the ways that therapy can be connecting not only to yourself, but also to those around you. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. So today we are talking to Chelsea and Chelsea wrote in with something that I feel like I hear some variation of a lot and also something that I have heard myself say some form or another too, um, trying to really understand her patterns around attracting unavailable men, mm. even though it sounds like Chelsea, you've done a lot of inner work, you've done a lot of inner growth. Um, you know, it, it sounds like you've kind of done a lot of that introspective work. Um, and then you're feeling like even still, when you go out into the dating pool, you're still kind of dating this all air quote, unavailable type guy. Um, and then you kind of just put in there as a throwaway, like maybe I'm also a recovering codependent. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> so I figure we'll let you kind of take it and, and just talk us through like what you're struggling with right now. Awesome. Yeah. So I have, yeah, I've done a lot of inner work and I'm um, trying to like, be really cognizant of my habits and just like, what, like what I'm thinking about and why I'm thinking about what I'm thinking about, et cetera. And I truly think that one of the things that I'm supposed to do in life is help men, um, in some capacity. The problem is, is that I don't necessarily want to be in a romantic relationship with the same people then that I'm being attracted to. Mm -hmm. um, I'm starting to kind of go through some coaching things, et cetera, and figuring out what I want to do with that phase of my life. But during that time, as I'm getting really passionate about that, I'm also wanting to date. And the people that I'm attracting from like a dating aspect are like falling into that same category of unavailableness. And it could be things like, um, 
addictions or, or honestly, even, even people that are working on themselves a lot, cause I'm trying to be more cognizant about that, but people that are working on themselves a lot are maybe just not at that point in their lives where they actually want to date. Mm-hmm. Um, and so therefore then I'm still attracted to them. And so it's a different kind of like, it's, it's still, it's still the same level of unhealthiness. Um, and so I'm just like, I'm trying to figure out if it's something that I can proactively like manage or do, or just like some ideas for things for me to think about. Um, and yeah, do you have questions that would help me dive in deeper? I mean, the first thing I thought was like, you know, give me a little bit more description about what unavailable means to you. I mean, you did say something about, you know, you you said addictions, potentially you said when somebody is or has done some of their more, some of their own inner work, it feels like maybe they just don't actually want to be in a relationship. Um, But I'm curious to know from your perspective, what unavailable means. Yeah, I think, um, and maybe that's something for me to figure out more. Like Mm -hmm. I, I think for me, it would be someone that's like open to a longer term relationship other than just like casual dating. Mm-hmm. Um, like for more info on my background, I was married for six years, um, almost 10 years ago. And I have been in the last 10 years, I spent probably two and a half years in a, not in a situationship, um, where we were together, but absolutely not together. And, and most of the people that I've dated casually, um, have had some sort of an addiction, whether it's drugs or alcohol. Um, and as I've come to realize that that's absolutely like a piece of like the codependency thing that I see, like, I, I think I become a little bit of like the natural, like motherer, which in essence does fill a need for me. I'm absolutely a giver, but I, as I've grown more, I realized that like, I don't want to be that person for someone else. Mm. And so I've recognized like that pattern, but I am not sure how to change it. Yeah. So a couple of things that sort of perked my ears forward as you were speaking, Chelsea, right? And here's something that I'm tuning into a little bit that we as women, especially have a little bit of a tendency to do that I've sort of come into an awareness recently. Um, and it's something I heard Esther Perel talk about recently, which is this dynamic of, you said, I'm really sort of interested in helping men, right? Helping men often through the lens of their quote brokenness or their needing to be healed or fixed. And I sort of become this maternal energy of fixer, of helper, of save you. And, you know, what the dynamic is a little bit is in exchange for me healing you, fixing you, caring for you, you desire me. That's Mm -hmm. what I want from you. Right. Um, tell me how that feels, how that lands as I say that first. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, (laughs) that's definitely a gut punch. Um, yeah, in a good way, but like, I think, yes, I, I think that is where at least for the last 10 years, I've derived a lot of my value, Mm -hmm. like when it comes to relationships. Mm -hmm. And so, and I, and I feel like from a different perspective, I bring a lot of value. Like I, I have my stuff together. Um, but I think that's the only way I've done it for so long that I'm not sure like in what other ways to be able to show up, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. 
And, you know, I think the thing that sometimes we miss when we sort of step into this codependent energy of, you know, fixing, helping, maybe over-functioning is that we sort of, well, two things. First, I think we miss a little bit of how that feels for that person. I think what people fall in love with is their vision of themselves through our eyes, right? So it's energetically, like, it's not like you're saying, I think you're broken. I have come to love you and fix you, (laughs) but they feel the energy of how you feel about them, right? Mm -hmm. And when they feel you as someone who sees them as needing to be saved or fixed, that does not feel empowering and good. And I want more of that. I sort of feel a little energetically repelled by that. Energy. Well, they also play into it too. Like they might, well, that was not conscious. Right. But it's like, they also live that out, whether they even realize it or not. Yeah. So that's the second part of what I yeah. was going to say is that I believe we tend to draw in people that are like the mirrors of what we still need to look at a little bit. Right. And so I think that our work when we feel like we are consistently attracting emotionally unavailable men is to say, where am I emotionally unavailable? And this is why I'm sort of drawing this into my world. And it might feel like, no, I'm totally I'm here. I'm showing up like I'm ready for it. Mm-hmm. And yet I find if we dig a little deeper, there are always some ways that we can find ourselves being a little bit emotionally unavailable, meaning Sometimes I won't say the thing because I'm trying to protect you because I want you to, I imagine, feel good about yourself. So I'm not saying like the way that you did that just sort of like rubbed me the wrong way, right? Um, The ways that there are things about you that, um, I don't know, like even even the fact that I'm attracted to someone where these little like pings of whatever, and that's what I'm drawn to. But the person who might have qualities that are a little bit, that repels me because they're so available to me. Right. So it's just a little bit like, how can I see some of this is in me? Otherwise it wouldn't be showing up in these men. Yes. Yes. Because I absolutely have met men before that I almost felt were clingy, not, not clingy necessarily, but honestly just available. And then it did feel like it was too much. And so I do think that I'm so almost used to that, like push and pull, um, that I, when someone is available, it's scary to me. Mm -hmm. There's safety in that, that push pull, you understand it, you know, it well, you know how to navigate it. And so it becomes safe, even though you start to outgrow it as you do start to do the work, it's still what feels safe, Mm. you know? And I, when I hear you talk about also like the, the last person you said you dated, how they were, they seemed like they had also done some work and yet they were still unavailable. It reminds me of, I was in a very similar situation ship. <laughs> and it just reminds me of like, when I look back, I feel like it was like this gradual climbing of like, okay, this person is mirroring back to me this stuff. Okay. And now I'm going to start to work on this stuff and heal this stuff. And then I dated somebody else and I was like, Whoa, I thought I was like in the next level, but now they're mirroring back to me this stuff. So now here's another layer for me to get into. And so it becomes like each person is like a gateway for you to be able to learn more about yourself when shit gets sticky and hard. And then even the person I'm with now, who is like a life, I mean, I would hope a lifelong partner, but who's to say, right. Um, he's a therapist and he still has tons of his own shit to do. Right. And like, we're constantly acting out patterns and we're constantly like triggering each other. And I, I see in him so much of my old shit that's come up and what matters is not necessarily that I've attracted some similar kind of dynamic, but what matters is that both of us are in a place now where we are unabashedly willing to show up and not let that person hide 
behind whatever it is, codependency, avoidant behaviors, anxious behaviors, it doesn't matter, you know? Um, and so it's not that that stuff necessarily goes away. It's not that you find somebody who magically your codependency stuff doesn't show up, right? Or like, it's that that stuff still shows up and yet it's safe enough, or maybe it feels safe enough for you guys to say, oh, look at that thing that just came up for you. What's mm-hmm. going on there? I see some codependency stuff. Hey, stop trying to mother me right now. We need to talk about this mothering pattern because it's not attractive to me and it's not attractive to you. And then I feel shame. And then I'm like, oh shit, we got to talk through this, right? But it just, it keeps coming up. It's just the dynamic of being able to work through it changes. Mm -hmm. And if I'm like, if I'm at the point where, okay, that's so helpful to me because I, that answers my question about like, as I continue to grow, does this just mean that the dating pool gets smaller I mean, kind of, and kind but- <laughs> of, but, but I think it also just means that like, I'm going to like stuff's going to always come up and that's okay. Yes. Totally. Yeah. I think on so many levels, and this is my belief system, I I think we experience what we believe in. If we believe in abundance, I think that's what we experience. If we believe in lack, then I think we experience a lack of men that are on my level. But I think what Vanessa spoke to that I think is really important is it's more about the fact that the work will always be there. There will always be more work to be done, but can I sort of attract into my world someone who has the capacity to stay in the work with me? Because you know, all of us, like, like Vanessa was just speaking to, we, we feel resistance come up as, you know, I, I think the point of relationships is to have these mirrors placed in front of us. That's what they do, right? Mm -hmm. Like all of the stuff that is left to heal, our partners will inevitably activate that in us. And when they activate it in us, what do we do? Do we shut down and say, this isn't the right person I'm out? Or do we say like Vanessa just spoke to, you know what, like, here it comes again. Let's stay here. Let's stay in the discomfort. Let's work on this. I'm willing to stay because this matters to me. And I think ultimately that's a little what society conditions us to get wrong, right? We're Mm -hmm. just looking for this person who's done it who's ready let's go like no there's like no perfect yeah it always feels magic afterwards right it's that happy ever after which is such bullshit (laughs) yeah that doesn't that doesn't exist you know I don't care how much work both of us have done I think that is why we come together to continue to expand in our growth yeah yeah I uh I went on a date the other day and afterwards I was talking to someone about it and and I was like, yeah, like, this is what's, go- what's going on with them. And they were like, yeah, but like, why were you there? Mm. And I'm like, Ooh, like, it was like, almost like I was talking about it from like a place, a little bit of like, probably a lot of bit of like superiority. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, no, like I'm still working on my stuff too. Well, and that, I mean, look, that is as somebody who, I, I mean, I can relate to that a lot um, as the kind of over-functioner, definitely more of the codependent, the fixer, the saver, like that's kind of always been my MO. And it's, um, it's a really convenient place to hide, Mm. to be in the place of superiority, right? It's a good place to hide actually all of the shame and not worthiness that you feel. Um, And really what it's about, right, is like, if I let down my guard and show you how maybe unworthy I feel I am, are you actually going to stick around? Mm-hmm. If I'm not acting from this place of caregiving, if I'm not acting from this place of saving and of being kind of up here that you can look up to, who am I even? What am I even? What do I even bring to the table? Mm-hmm. And in a lot of ways, I think that there's so much in that to be able to say, um, oh, I want to, I want to take this in like five different directions. It's like, when I get into that space with my partner, many times he's able to say to me, 
smothering thing. <laughs> but he's also able to say to me, like, in a nice way, he doesn't actually say this, but this is how it comes out to me, which is like, where are you beneath me? That's how I take it. It's like, I walk around like I'm in a superiority kind of superior place, but it's like, where am I actually beneath him? And where am I walking around pretending like I'm above all the time? Now that sounds harsh. And like I said, he doesn't actually use those words, but it's more of like a gut check for me to be like, Vanessa, why are you hiding? Where are you hiding? What can you learn about the stuff that you feel actually like you're inferior in? Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that was kind of complicated because I feel like I've got like 10 different directions. I want to take this in Chelsea, but I get it though, because like I, if I'm really honest with myself, I think that like, I still have this script in, in like the back of my head. That's like, are you enough? Are you proving Mm -hmm. that you're enough? Is that like, um, and so if I am with someone who I feel like I'm a little better than, then I automatically feel like I'm more enough. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Big breath. Yeah. Um, okay. So how about when I am talking to people who are on this journey themselves and like going through this process and I, and I do feel like I'm practicing some of these behaviors of like bringing up some of the stuff that normally I would not like bring to the surface and, and feeling vulnerable with, and they're not wanting to like progress further in a relationship but so it's become that situation ship to where I know that it's not necessarily healthy either. Like, how do I start to think about those boundaries? Do I just eventually cut it off? Like, even though it's someone that I do feel like I'm practicing this with, you know, I think that becomes the emotional unavailability on my part thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how do I say the thing? How do I stay willing to stay in the discomfort of, I want something different here. Um, I'm feeling you pull back or I'm feeling something that feels incongruent with things that you've said in the past or, you know, whatever the thing is that I experience happening between us, can I take a deep breath and speak to that, right? And a lot of times we don't. And that is where I'm showing up in an unavailable way, right? Emotionally unavailable way. And so that's what I can take ownership of. And that does become where I have to do some of my own self-worth work, right? That I can say what I need and want for myself and know that I've got me, I'm going to stay with me. I am worthy of everything that I am speaking um, to and wanting for myself. And whatever that person's reaction is, is information that I need to have, right? And a lot of times we won't because we don't want it to like go away because I want you to stay here with me a little longer. But some part of us knows that if we say the thing, I may not get the answer I want, but I got to do it anyway, because that's where I sort of solidify my own self-worth to myself. Or not just say the thing, not say the things that they stay a little longer. It might be the opposite. I'm not going to say the thing, but I'm going to be the one to cut it off, which is still the form of hiding, right? It's like, I can sense that you're not going to do this for me. I can sense that you're not going to be able to meet me in this place. So rather than even waste my time or bother saying the thing, I'm just going to bail. It's the same thing, just a different, the different side of the coin. And that's a really good point, B, because sometimes we're we're cutting it off where that person might actually have the capacity to meet us there, or that person might feel a little like, oh, shit, you know, like, I didn't even realize that this was the way you were experiencing me. Absolutely. Like, this is what was activated in me and why I might have been pulling back in the way you're experiencing. So we don't know until we speak to it. But you're right. Going right to the emotional cutoff is the easier choice. It's a little bit harder to stay and have the difficult conversation. 
I really hate those answers and really (laughs) (laughs) I hate them every day even when I'm in the midst of it I'm like we didn't say we enjoy this stuff we just know (laughs) it's what needs to be done I mean, literally, it's like I, you know, I'm so candid about how I show up and experience myself and my relationship now because I'm so aware of in the moment, like I can look at this man, this person that I'm with in a random moment and be like, God, I love this person so much. I want to be with this person. I respect this person. Like I'll have all the feelings, right? And then we get in some kind of conversation, a tough conversation or argument, or he'll say to me, this thing you said hurt my feelings or, you know, this mothering thing or whatever. And instantly I can feel my defenses come up in my body and I can watch myself in my body and in my head go, well, this person is clearly not for me. And obviously this isn't going to work out and we're going to break up and da, 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 da. And I can see this start to happen yeah. In instantly, right? My body retracts. I start to like dissociate. I can feel myself, my body language crossing my arms. And it's just fascinating that no matter how much work you do, right? You're still on this roller coaster of like defenses, 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 because look, that's what they're there to do. They're there to what they think protect you. And so the work really just becomes about when you're in that place of activation, can you notice and track and breathe into the defensiveness try not to talk from the defensiveness, right? Because it does become almost like an alter ego. And then to sit with it and say, okay, what am I learning from this moment? What am I learning Mm. from this moment? What am I learning, you know? And then kind of grow into that. Like, it's like you're shedding your skin every time. Every time you come through it on the other side, it's like a a skin shedding. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, it feels really important to speak to the reason those defenses kick in and what's happening within us in terms of our inner child feeling deeply shamed. Like even as you sort of go through the motions of describing it, be like, I can see little V and you like armoring up and like, don't yep. tell me I'm not good enough. <laughs> like, yep. you know, because some part of her is hearing that, right? Is hearing whatever John is saying through the lens of, and this means like you're not good enough in some way, right? And so how do I hold her in that space mm-hmm. with so much compassion? right? Because it's a scared child in us that is reacting. That's why it's not because we're like mean, awful, defensive people. It's because it's like the hurt part of us that in some way, like you said, Chelsea feels like that energy of not enough that we're defending against the feeling. The ego wants to defend to the death against that feeling, you know? Yeah. I, uh, I think like, because my last long-term relationship that I was in, we split up right before coronavirus. And then that ended up being perfect because then I was really forced to take a lot of time on my own. Mm -hmm. Um, and I had this like sense of peace that I haven't had in so long because I didn't realize the amount of like emotional energy that I was giving to someone else, like in that way. And now when I start dating again, I it's like, unless someone's really bringing me a lot of value. I kind of feel like I'm wasting my time, but in this conversation, what I'm realizing is that I also am only looking at that from like a completely positive aspect too. Like, I think I'm equally as terrified of when it brings up something where it's like rubbing me the wrong way. And it's an opportunity for me to grow. I also go like, yeah, I don't know if that's the case. So I think that's why I'm like going back to where I was before. Okay. So I want to offer you a reframe that I've been working with a lot lately and I kind of am obsessed with, right? Because that mentality to me sort of approaches 
dating, this dating pool, the men out here with a little bit of like the lens of lack, right? Like if someone's not worth my time, then I'm not even getting in here with them, right? Totally get it. And, um, you know, one of my favorite expressions is from Dr. Wayne Dyer, which is the mantra of the lower self is I need more. The mantra of the higher self is how do I serve? And I've become a little obsessed with using this in the context of love, right? Like how do we use love as a way to show up in service, spread a little bit more love around to all the people I come in contact with and use, um, other people as an opportunity for me to come more into alignment with who I want to be, right? Meaning if I have nothing but like love and energy to like spread around to all of these men that I'm coming in contact with, I believe that that is what I attract, right? If I have abundance within me that I'm just like ready and open to sharing, then I believe that that is what I start to attract into my world. There's just like an abundance of people who want to meet me there. But if I just see like all of the reasons that all of these people are falling short, then that is what is going to be mirrored back to me. Does that make sense? The only thing I will say that can be a little tricky about that is if you are the caregiving codependent type, when she's saying, because <laughs> I see your face, I can see the wheels turning. When she says, spread the love around, be loved, she doesn't mean caregiving. She doesn't mean taking care of them. She doesn't mean swooping in and rescuing. She doesn't mean doing for them or over-functioning for them. That's not what she means by Because that. what's underneath all of those behavior patterns? Yeah. Is it love or fear, right? If I'm caregiving, it's because I believe you can't do things for yourself. If I'm fixing things, it's because I think you're broken, right? I think it's like, when I say love, I mean genuine love. I mean, I see the essence of who you are. When I'm looking at these men that I, I could pick apart what's broken in them, they're going to rise to whatever I believe I see in them. If I believe they're capable and powerful and magnanimous, that's, that's who they are. If yeah, I see they're all- not, and that's lovely too, because in a way they're just, they're showing you their true colors, but in a way where you can see it through love and you're not judging. You're just like, okay, I see this. I recognize this, this information. Right. And so now I get to do with this information what I will. Yeah. I just want to play with it as a reframe as I'm going out and like seeking, because I think a lot of times what we're doing in the dating world is I'm going to seek and find what's wrong to like weed these people out where that is what we attract more of. If that's yeah. what we're looking for, it's like what you're looking for is what you're going to find. That's your perception of reality. Whereas if you're like, I just believe there are just like a ton of people who are able to meet me where I am, which is in the space of abundance and fulfillment. And I'm actually really good. I'm just looking for someone to add some icing to this cake, right? Like I don't need anyone to fill the mm -hmm, space of lack. Mm -hmm. I'm in abundance, right? It's just a very different mindset with which to go out into the world and view people. So just play with it and see what happens, you know? Yeah. And I think like the, because like, let's say like dating apps and stuff like that, like trying to initially kind of like funnel down to someone that would be worth talking to. I think like that whole aspect has me kind of messed up as well as to like, am I automatically like filtering out people who may be great people, but that I'm just like, Oh, like this, you know, perceived political affiliation that they put on their profile means like an absolute no for me or you know just like small things that may actually not be the case but then it also seems overwhelming to open that pool up to that many more people too well I mean dating apps are a whole conversation within themselves Chelsea um and you know even even the statement people that are willing worth me talking to right like that that 
becomes like a lack statement, right? If I sort of am like, you know what, I'm just going to be open to whatever the universe brings me in terms of people that I could connect with. I love to, in our Tat Lab singlehood group, say like, be curious, be curious about meeting other human beings. You don't know. You don't know what man could be from a different political affiliation that you could become really good friends with. And he might have a best friend that is the soulmate you've been searching for, but I wasn't even interested in getting to know another human being. So I'm not here for it. Right. I mean, yes, dating apps can be really overwhelming to the psyche. And like John often says, it's like baseball cards and like really dehumanizing, just like looking at pictures, get that. And like, can I be open to like, I'm just curious. I'm just curious about meeting more people. I'm just curious about getting to know people on a soul level and we'll see what happens. You know, it's just, it's just different. Yeah. I think, um, thank you for saying that because what I'm hearing is the, it sounds like I'm, I'm, I'm doing a lot that has a lot of expectations behind it. And I need to find better ways to do that this process without so many expectations of what is worth my time or what is, mm. you know. Right, and and I think that's a little bit what I was saying earlier about if you realize you're putting so many expectations outwardly, you're most likely putting a lot of expectations inwardly too, yes. right? So that becomes an opportunity for you as you're going out and you're continuing, you know, the dating kind of world um, to say, okay, I do realize that I'm putting a lot of expectation and judgment out there, which means, almost guaranteed I'm doing it to myself. Right. And so maybe that's like the next place for you to start to like dig into and, and get a little bit more familiar with and question. And, and you don't need necessarily a partner to start to look at that stuff. You know, all you need is a couple messages on one of these dating apps to start to question that shit in yourself. So it'll, yeah. it'll come up, you know? Yeah. And I just want to name too, that I think some of the expectations are a way that we sort of, it's a defense mechanism. It's a little bit of a way that we attempt to control the situation. Like I'm going to sort of keep a lot of these people at arm's distance. It just, it makes me feel safe. And so that does fall a little bit in the line of some of the codependent tendencies that you were talking about before, you know? Mm -hmm. Thank you. Mm. Well, will you do us a favor and just kind of ping us and keep us posted and let us know how you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I appreciate you bringing this on, Chelsea. I know that a lot of people will be able to relate. <laughs> oh, oh boy. <laughs> oh boy. I mean, even I can't, obviously I'm sitting here like, mm-hmm, uh, same. <laughs> so same. Yeah. Awesome. awesome. All right. Well, have a good rest of your day. Okay. Keep us posted. All right. Thank you. I feel like she just brought in something that I know I personally struggled with. And I just feel like a lot of people in this like new world of, I don't know, introspection, like there's just this whole new wave, this whole new generation of people who are like, finally kind of, you know, taking the bull by the horns and doing their inner work and starting to understand themselves more. And it, it when you're dating, it can be an extra layer of, of trickiness. Yeah. And I love that, you know, there's this thing of like, as we get into this work, all of the same things sort of come up. They just show up in different ways. All of our defense mechanisms, all of our coping strategies, they show up. It's just, you know, it's like, it's, it's really hard out here because I've done so much work and there's, there's just nobody who's going to be able to meet me here. And a lot of ways that that's still some of our, um, our ways of controlling situations and our ways of attempting to keep ourselves safe showing up, you know?
Yeah. I mean, look, even in, even in my, like, oh, I'm, I'm growing so much and I'm, you know, the dating pool is getting smaller and smaller. And then I found the, the therapist who I thought would have it figured out, out and, and look, we're still mired in our same shit sometimes. Right. And I try to communicate that to her. It's like, just don't, don't fool yourself into thinking that you're going to meet somebody and you guys are going to just be like lockstep. Everything's going to be perfect. There's never going to be any strife. All the defenses are going to go away. We're just going to be vulnerable all the time. Like it's just not real. It's just not human. You know, we, we don't show up that way in relationships. You know what? I just had a thought as you were saying, I think the thing that we all misunderstand and I'm starting to come into a deeper understanding of about the quote work is that I don't actually think the work is about, you know, healing something to the point where it's like somehow fixed. I think the work is about us having the capacity to stay in the conversations, mm -hmm. to continue to do the work, right? Because now we have the tools to do the work, to stay in the conversation that we might not have had otherwise, where we might just have sort of bailed or, mm -hmm. um, you know, exploded into some maladaptive way of operating in relationships. Now we have different tools because yeah. of the work, right? But yeah. we're never fixed. We're never done. No. The work is never complete. No, the work is literally a lifetime and then another lifetime and then another lifetime after that. It's never over. And this is what I said forever ago. You know, I have, I had this one person in my life and I remember being really upset and angry when the relationship was imploding and just saying like, I don't care how many like workshops you've done. Like, I don't care that you've studied Reiki. I don't care that you've gone to therapy. I don't care that you've done X, Y, and Z. Where are you showing up in the relationship? That's mm -hmm. the work. That's mm -hmm. the work. You can collect as many workshops and whatever diplomas on your fucking wall as possible. But if you're not showing up in relationship when shit gets sticky and hard and messy and your defenses come up and you get triggered and activated and you're not working through it with that person, then you're not doing the work. That yeah. is the work, right? And I think that's what we, we misunderstand. So let's just name that now forevermore. Mm -hmm. Saying I've done the work mm -hmm. may be a defense mechanism you're using. To not do the work. <laughs> right, to, to not stay in the work, right? Like if you've done yeah. the work, you might be defending against something. Just saying. Yep, yep. <laughs> she's bringing it here, man. And that was great. It was a good conversation because I feel like I, you know, you all can't see her like we can, obviously, but I, I definitely saw a couple aha moments. <laughs> Flash oh, she's and to be clear, she didn't say I'm doing the work. No, I'm just no. talking about it. Like she sort of said, I've done a lot of work and you know, but yeah, I just, think but I think overall we got to the realization with her that, you know, the actual work shows up when mm. you're in the discomfort and not writing people off. Right. Yes. Like maybe looking at each person as like an ability to grow and learn more. Um, just getting to some of these themes. I think we talk about within dating. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Chelsea. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Cheaper Than Therapy. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want to connect with us, you can find us on Instagram at Vanessa S. Bennett and at Danae Logan Selkin. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 
mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.